the Arcadia Roundtable, episode three, brought to you by, by me, Chris and Dodge. Chris obviously wasn't here last week, so it's fantastic to have him back. Oh, I told you a little lie then. It's not brought to you by the three of us. It's brought to you by our many members and supporters of this channel. So thank you very much, everybody, that makes this real. Chris is doing a lot of the work though. Chris, you've been missing for a couple of weeks. How are you doing, sir? Um, very well, thank you. Um, yeah, just I was at a wedding last week. I had various work commitments and so on and so forth. So yeah, was still um, yeah, doing well, mate. I'm looking forward to jumping on a couple of uh, games, which I'm sure we'll chat about shortly. Oh, hopefully, because that's uh, that's what we're here for, to, to get around the round table and chat about some games. Dodge, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I, uh, my Steam Deck uh, <clears throat> has decided to stop working on me, so that's a bit of a kick in the uh, kick in the teeth. But uh, other than that, yeah, just another just another week of uh, occasional gaming while still being uh, top god tier roofer of London Town. I've got to refer without a Steam Deck. Um, I know a bit of what's going on because obviously you talk about it in our Discord, but but what's the story? Why doesn't your Steam Deck work? What did you do to it? I'm trying to work it out. So um, looking on Reddit's and uh, even the Steam community, it seems like a common error. It's called like the black screen. So basically there's no damage to the screen at all. But when you allow the battery to dr like just full drain, People are finding that even when they charge it, you push the button. Have you got a Steam Deck? I know Chris has. No. Well. When you, well, when you push the power button, there's like an initial sound, like a sort of doo -doo, like boat noise. Then you hear the fans kick in and everything, and usually the the, the LCD display will light up and, and stuff like that. <clears throat> I hear that initial sound, the fans kick in, but nothing else happens. So I saw some mad stuff. Like one one of them was sound like push. I think the volume up and hold the options button and hold them for 10 seconds and then rip the cord out with your teeth and it should go. And <laughs> I was trying, I was trying all this stuff, but like I say, I got mine second hand um, and fair play to steam. Like I was speaking to Chris about it earlier today <clears throat> and I got in touch with him and just thought they'd go, well, you haven't bought this from us, but obviously because hopefully it's still under a warranty, which I'm sure it is because now they're sending me out um, pre uh, stamped, um postage stuff so i can send it out to them to look at it and if it don't work or they can't fix it they're going to send a replacement apparently so yeah um i hope i hope it gets sorted out one way or another i don't really want to buy another one if i'm being honest i think they'll probably no. just uh attach it to your serial number as we were saying mate so and yeah. obviously you, you buy the steam decks through them isn't it so it's not like they can say you've jumped into the warehouse and stolen it, so I presume that. But and Valve, Valve's uh, customer service has always been good to me, anyway, and many other people, I'm sure. So, have you That's had any Valve hardware that, besides the Steam Deck? One of those like little Steam and box, Steam boxes, or whatever they were called. The Steam the Link things, yeah, shield yeah. or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, that was the only thing really. Did you ever have their controller? Those controllers. <laughs> no, I didn't. Horrible thing. Horrible thing. A mad controller, yeah. <laughs> Do you mind trying well, Chris, to sell you think... an OLED Steam Deck? Upsell, yeah. Replacement charge. <laughs> Not paying attention. Bit of the old HDR. No, I am. I, I, I've seen the dock. There was another thing, but I thought I don't, so I bought. <clears throat> so I was using a Nintendo Switch plug, yeah, which is like 18 watt. And, um,. 
the stock one that comes with the Steam Deck is 45 watt. So I thought, okay, maybe when the battery is completely drained, yeah, maybe it needs that extra wattage to just sort of boot it up the arse and, and then it'll have a full charge. Uh, so I went and got a 60 watt uh, max bat, uh, plug, still not really working. Um, I looked at the dock because uh, another friend, um, who me and Chris know anyway, Ric Flair Andy, he said to me about maybe getting a USB-C to HDMI, try and connect it to a monitor or a TV or the dock, just to see if it's actually the, if the system's actually displaying. And and then I thought, I just I don't want to be spending loads of money, like, <clears throat> and it's not. So I'll take Steam up and just send it back if it don't boot, you know. Fair, Chris. You've been at weddings. Yes. You've been doing adult business things. Have you had any time to play any of the many, many games that are around at the moment? So I've only a bit of hell time. There's uh, someone in the chat and I'm a bit quieter than everyone else, so I don't know if you can turn me up or I will put the microphone closer to me. I can't very I easily without better. disrupting things. Okay, so. well, there you go. I'll <laughs> put the mic closer. Uh, Tom, hopefully that's better. Um, yeah, Helldivers 2, before obviously the servers imploded. Um, I think it's a bit hit and miss whether you get on or not. Um, but I'll definitely jump back into that. Uh, played with a couple of the guys out of the Discord. Um, so yeah, that was really good. So just need to jump in with you and Dodge and stuff like that once things calm down a bit. But I noticed the CEO told everyone not to buy slow it. down they, yeah they did the yeah. genius thing of having server issues and then doing a bonus xp weekend at the same time to encourage more people onto it to get more server issues um we meant to play it yesterday it was all set in place i told people come along we'll play we'll play helldivers 2 at 10 o'clock i just could not get onto it so that didn't happen um but you enjoy it for the little bit of time that you have managed to get on there and play it you reckon um it's got some more yeah, legs in I... it you're gonna get back to it yeah, I managed to probably put about six hours or something into it um, on a Saturday with uh, Chronic UK and I um, can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head. That's not any disrespect. It'll come to me in a bit. Or Chronic, I'll probably say it was. Um, but yeah, it was Yeah, it was really good. As I say, it was like non-stop playing it for six or seven hours um and and then stopped because i had to run a couple of errands and stuff like that but i i really like it i think it's a superb game i'd be quite happy if i had uh, made it put it that way so fair enough not, um, the, not the server not the crap servers but... no um You've had a bit more time, Darts. You've been playing some games with me. You've been playing some games by yourself. You've been playing some games with other people. Tell me about every single one of them. Make me sound good. Uh, I can't think now. Like, I just, uh, Helldivers, I haven't played anymore. Or <laughs> Skull and Bone since last week. But um, Patrick, lovely Patrick in the Discord, he, um, he started playing Outriders again. And as you fully well know, uh, me and you were streaming that when it when it launched in Game Pass. Um, and, uh, yeah, I couldn't... I, I just weren't really feeling the game, and I didn't realise that you told me I'd left it at 86%. And, uh, 84%. 84%, and I, and, I, and I just bombed it. But I had, big, I had some big battles at that time. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so I see him playing it, and, and Patrick defends that game like it's his wife. He loves that game. And uh, I said, oh, I didn't realise I had it in my Steam library. Um... 
so I booted it up to see where I was, and obviously level 23 or whatever. So I ended up doing a little bit of that with him and uh, Big Dave Mack uh, from the Discord as well. Um, we done some of that. That was fun. Then it was just like, it was like all nostalgic games. So then Patrick was saying about the Ascent. And uh, that was another mm-hmm. one that we had tried, you know, and Chris as well. I think we tried that. We, there was some issue with the game at launch anyway. Um, so, yeah, gone back to that, put a little bit of time into the Ascent, a little bit of Death Stranding, not as much as I'd like, but enough to still, like I said last week, that game for me is whenever it feels like it's going to get a little bit mundane and a little bit trivial, it'll offer you something that you'll go, oh, this has changed everything, you know? So, I, I, Death Stranding, I'm going to take such an L on that game. It'll be unbelievable. Um, I can't think, really. What else? I mean, obviously, Enshrouded, which we'll talk about in a bit, brief. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, just uh, yeah, just games like that. Clearly none on the Steam Deck now, though. <clears throat> I told you very specifically. You had instructions. They were to make me look good, and you didn't mention how brilliant I am at anything, so... That's a fail. Um, you were supposed to talk about Rocket League. Everyone knows Rocket this League on already, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did. And Falls, <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, because obviously, I, I see you. Um, Rocket League is, I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it, you know what I mean? Like, I see you was playing it. I think I was playing the Ascent, maybe. I might have been playing the Ascent at that time or Death Stranding. And uh, I was in the Discord chat with Dave and. Um, uh, it was only with Dave, Chronic, and Eradication, I think. And um, yeah, and then I see you go, oh, we're going to start with some Rocket League. And I went, oh, fuck it, I want to jump on that. And uh, jumped on Rocket League. And then we did some falls after on the Nürburgring. It was good, actually. <laughs> it, it was it was good. Uh, and you are good, Acer, but I mean, the community Not knows this, don't they? Hell no. <laughs> Not when I'm on the track or Dave Mack, but oh, Baz, Baz had it. I'll tell you what, that Baz Crypt Keeper, he had one of the. It, to catch me, I had about fucking. It felt like about twenty-five second lead at one point, and he pipped me at the line. But um, yeah, there's some good drivers in the community. We have, we have Dave Max normally the at the bird. front of the pack. Eradication was the other person on hell divers. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. he's no. Yeah, so a few people lately. If you're not on the Discord server, it's brilliant. You should try and get in there because we play all of these games and uh, it is a good time. I've also got, if you haven't noticed, a fancy merch store, which you can either ignore or you can have a little look at. There's some there's some stuff on it, um, but games. So that, um, that Forza Motorsport on Sunday, that was um, that was painful for me because Lord Addict from the Iron Lords raided the channel um cheeseburger um raided the channel which is really like nice of him it's generous it, it helps this channel immensely but he raided the channel at the start of uh nord whatever the track's called that track that is really nasty to drive around so being spectated while i crashed into every single hint of a corner i'm not going to pretend that i'm good at anything ever again no that was that was poor um Fun though, so <laughs> what, I, what I liked, Asa, was you went after the first race. No, let's take the racing line off, and then that first corner was just absolute bedlam like there was just cars everywhere, no one picked the line either, apart from me. But uh, yeah, no, it was good fun, man. Yeah, I still lost. I really don't like the racing line, like it's, it's important, it's really difficult to wean yourself off of it because when it's there, it obviously helps and you follow it, but then you're not really playing a racing game anymore, you're just following a, 
an elongated quick time event like it tells you when to slow down it doesn't tell you very accurately like it'll, it'll give you a slow time but you can't help but follow it and as soon as you turn it away suddenly you start learning the track suddenly you have to pay attention to where you're going so i much prefer it without the racing line even though i am terrible without the racing line so i have been playing I'm not going to go through everything that I've been playing because I've played quite a lot this last week, but um, I've been playing Vampire, which is kind of relevant. I've had it installed for ages. Um, not when it was on Game Pass, when it was available for free because I was an idiot and I didn't play it. Not when it came out like 100 years ago because I was an idiot and I didn't play it. But um, don't nod, the studio behind it released Banishers Ghost of New Eden this week. And it just sparked my interest and made me go, ah, yeah, I'm supposed to play Vampire. And I started playing Vampire, and I really, like, I was enjoying it. I got to a certain point where I had to decide whether I'm going to start eating citizens or not. And I thought, like, it's quite easy on the normal difficulty to, to just avoid eating the citizens and make the, the, the nice guy choice, which is something I want to get into in a minute. But um, I decided to play it on hard mode, where it puts a lot more pressure on you to, to feed off of the innocent if you want to be strong enough to get through the game. If you don't feed off the innocent, you're not going to level up and on par with the the difficulty as it goes so it just um it's a, a nice moral dilemma that runs central to the whole game and i'm enjoying that a lot but it got me thinking because i was playing it on stream yesterday and i got to the first like pivotal moment of do you eat this person do you essentially kill them or do you let them go and the scenario that plays out is um he's getting attacked he's like a, a london mobster of some kind he's getting attacked he gets stabbed up a little bit but he stabs the other guy and kicks him in a river and it's kind of implied that he's probably criminal, but not necessarily that like you don't really know the circumstances and he was defending himself. And then it gives you the choice. Do you want to eat this guy or not? And as the game goes on, it's going to present like, an array of characters and give you this choice. Do, do you eat them? Do you let them go? And it just it made me think, well, it's a game, so it's not a real person. I can look at this person and go, and look at this character and go, well, that's a certain amount of experience points. But I didn't do that. I decided not to kill him because like, I didn't know if he was guilty or not. And it's a weird way to interact with a game. So my question for, for both of you, I'll start with Chris. When you're playing a game that has NPC characters and things like that, do you manage to feel any empathy for them? Would you treat them like people or are they data sets? Would you eat them and take the experience points? So two answers, probably. Um, Red Dead Redemption 2, which a lot of people know is probably one of my favorite games. I took the path of of goodness in that and found it really like difficult um to do anything bad in it. Even even when I finished the game and I loaded up and obviously I'm kind of still within the world and I think actually I'll just start going around and robbing places and shooting people and stuff. I find it really difficult to do that. Um but on that vampire, I, I remember playing quite a bit of it when it first came out, um, and I remember just munching that like that London gangster <laughs> or whatever. Because I think with that game, it even though the kind of story pans out the way it pans out, um, it just felt like you're obviously supposed to be a vampire, so that's part and parcel of it, um, and obviously it enables you to kind of rank up in certain elements or, you know, um, increase your XP and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I I tend to play stuff as a as a good individual, really. I find it quite difficult to just um, 
yeah, you kind of shoot people in the face and stuff when, in games. I like to try and follow the path of 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 the right, really. Um, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's anything in particular. You know whether I actually feel empathy or um, like genuinely just like a nice person in in life. So I find it quite difficult to to kind of do that stuff. So I think you do get attacked if it's a really good story driven kind of extravaganza where it's well written and things like that then i think it's harder to go off on one um but i know there's a lot of people out there who just don't care and i think especially sorry in in red dead redemption 2 you've got that you know there's there's consequences there's obviously you start you know prices increase you start seeing different uh cutscenes you get different dialogue um, and I've I've watched quite a few YouTube videos of Joe Arthur doing one thing and Arthur doing the other thing and seeing what happens with the dialogue mm-hmm. and the kind of atmosphere in the world and stuff like that. Um, so I think if something's done really well, then it's one of those things like to... I I can look at it and recognize it. Like this is ones and zeros. I can kill this person and and I'm not going to feel guilty at night or anything like that when I'm not playing the game. But it helps. Like you kind of let yourself get into the game a little bit because that's just the best way to experience it. So if you if you switch off and don't treat them as characters, or treat them as numbers and all the rest of it, it's not like a stupidity thing. Obviously, I know that there's no no real consequence to eating that guy. But if you really want to get into the game, then suddenly those decisions become a lot harder. Dodge, you're a London roofer with a rough exterior. You'd probably kill that guy in real life, wouldn't you? I um <clears throat> on the uh. On the question and like <clears throat> games that spring to my mind are like Fable and that back in the day. And for me, like I know I get like what Chris is saying. You get them people who go, oh, I'm going to do a good one and then I'm going to do a bad one. And then mm. I'm going to do, I, you know me, I, you're lucky if I get to do one run. So when I do that run, I, uh, it's just how I feel at the time. Like, you know, sometimes I'll try and do the honourable thing, the good thing, you know what I mean? But then sometimes I'll think, nah, especially if the mission's been absolutely long. Yeah, I'll come back and just be like, boof, and end you. Like, <clears throat> even in Starfield, um, there was some of it in that as well. Just some shit missions, you know? And, and not, not to put the game down, but for me, <clears throat> I just didn't have, you know, it was like a poxy, fetchy one. You know, and I, I could mm-hmm. just kill people, you know, without just thinking, you waste my time. You know, that's how I go about it. But I guess, you know, like you're looking at it from Vampire and the actual real decisions. You know, Vampire, you know, ACG and all them lot, like they all talk about, I watched a bit of you last night playing it. Um, I should really like play the game, as Chris says, you know, like being an honest person, making those choices that you would make in real life. but. Sometimes I just think, nah, you've wasted my time. You've got to go. It definitely depends <laughs> yeah, on the game, that. doesn't it? Um, yeah. Because I think yeah. something like Fallout and those type of games, I just kind of like shoot anyone I come across and yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, if there, yeah, if there was a real life 
Well, not real life, but I mean, you know, photorealistic sort of real setting and stuff like that. You know, maybe you could pull my heartstrings a little bit more to maybe go into it and do the honest thing. You know what I mean? But when you're in a medieval setting or, you know, Starfield or whatever, and it's just not for me, it's just like I would just play that game without any consequence. Whereas if like what Chris is saying, if it's more striking you know nerves with you and that and pulling at your heartstrings i guess then the, the raw human emotion of you will come out and you'll naturally make those decisions maybe i'm just a terrible person i don't know <laughs> i suppose it depends as well what the game like it depends on how you feel like playing because i remember when when we've played sea of thieves and stuff apart from asa ben and our our ship um, I know we we always tend to kind of like when we were passing like other players and stuff, we kind of left them to it. So we're really up for apart from there was like a couple of things where we come across people on like a few islands and stuff who like attacked us first, and then it was like game on and stuff. Game but on, yeah, yeah, you just see someone like doing a you know uh, a fetch quest or something. We tend to, to kind of just like crack on with stuff, and I suppose that. It was the same. The other game I've been playing a little bit of is Skull and Bones, which is obviously quite controversial. A lot of people are on Twitter are kind of slagging it off and saying your ship's got stamina and all this crap. <clears throat> um, I quite enjoy it. I quite enjoy the kind of just you know, go from place to place. And I, I played a lot of the closed betas um, and closed alphas and stuff, like really early days where... I couldn't share anything because it just had hard times UK all over the mm. screen and I would have just got absolutely destroyed. Um, <laughs> and really, I really kind of enjoyed it. I like Sea of Thieves for the kind of co-op, but I enjoyed the like story-driven. It was a bit more um, structured. It's a bit more structured, the uh, Skull and Bones, so it allows me to just crack on with stuff. But there's loads of like... Uh, pirates and NPCs and stuff who you can start to engage and have a fight with and I just tend to like sail past them because I'm kind of concentrating on uh, the, the fetch quest and, and whatnot. Um, so I suppose they're the same kind of decisions where you're like actually do I just start to give myself a hard time um, or do I kind of you know play things as I am in real life and stuff like that I think it's alright to let your hair down a bit in a in a video okay. game, um, but I find it quite difficult at times to just uh, yeah in a proper story driven game. Have you done? I want to talk a little bit more about Skull and Bones in a minute because I don't understand that game yet. Um, have you played any games where you did like where there were moral choices and you deliberately did the bad run, start to finish, like a Mass Effect or an Infamous or something like that? No, I think I've always struggled. I'm a bit like my brother. So me and my brother tend to choose the path of the righteous one and stuff. I, I like because um, I I always I always feel that the game developers or the creators will give you a better kind of experience going going that way. Um, so yeah, I can't think of anything. But I suppose I suppose because you got no option, like going years back manhunt and stuff like that you know just absolutely <laughs> like destroying and and murdering individuals to get out of the uh to get through the levels and stuff but effectively it was the name of the game um i think i suppose towards the end of the hogwarts legacy you know when i started getting like killing spells and stuff i'd just go into a 
a fight and just kill people <laughs> straight away rather than like use like disarming spells and stuff. But it kind of the game holds your hand and I think it kind of expects you to go that way. So obviously I played I played as like someone good, but as soon as I got like OP'd, I was just like murdering everyone straight away and stuff. Um so yeah, I think it just depends on the setting for me. But yeah, I don't think there's any game where I've like purposely chosen a bad path that I can think of. I'll obviously delve into so, the grey matter while you guys chip in. Warner Brothers official statistics say that only 0.6% of players use the murder spells, so you might want to get yourself checked out. Oh, there you go. I'm one of the 06 <laughs> uh, I've made that up. There's, there's no such statistic. I just I know, wanted yeah. to put you on the spot and see what happened. Um, Dodge, video game. Have you ever killed a puppy? Oh, I... I um... <laughs> Do you know what? I actually, is it Wolfenstein, isn't it? The one where you shoot a dog. And uh, I, I was I was like, oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. And then for, for quite a while, that goes on where you think, oh, you've got to do it. Yeah. And then I've done it yeah, to progress the game. And it was only after where people was like, you don't have to shoot the dog. And I was like, oh, it hurt me. Do you know what I mean? It's... Uh, <laughs> I had to go and sit in a dark room for a bit over that. I was in a bit of a two and eight. I um, but yeah, no, nah, don't uh, yeah, don't don't go yeah shooting puppies and that. If I'm being honest, but like I say, with it, you know, I said it previously before. Like I'm I'm a bit erratic with my gameplay. You know, I might do certain good things and then get a little bit of praise. Like oh, this might be the hero we want, and then I'll just go on a switch, and then they'll be like oh, maybe he's not. But you know, I um I ain't really like those games as well. Like I say, you know, I might get one run out. Um, but I ain't really played too many of them with like heavy choice type games. You know what I mean? Maybe I've avoided them mm. on purpose. Maybe because I don't I don't cope well with decision making. You know, but um yeah, maybe I'll give some a go. Maybe someone in the chat start popping some of them off, and uh, maybe I'll have a look into them. I love games that force difficult dilemmas on you and make you live with the consequence rather than letting you like load back up and see the other option and choose which one was best. Um, yeah, let's talk about that before we get into the next topic because I'm really curious, Chris. You like Skull and Bones? What's like the core gameplay loop of Skull and Bones? When does it get good? <laughs> Obviously, the start is a Joe. It kind of eases you in, you, you've got your shipwreck, grab a couple of these things and then obviously find um, find the kind of pirate haven or whatever. So I had, the, the game glitched out on me and it glitched out on about five people on the same server when we played. So you have to get some room and you have to get some like um, kind of uh, wooden parts so you can give it to this guy on, on the first island. Um, and it just none of it was in none of it was in the water. There was kind of like a red area. You'd sail over, and there was like as I say, there was about six of us all just sailing around the area trying to find it. Um, so I kind of quit out of that server, come back in, and everything had appeared. So it's obviously just glitched out a bit. Um, you start to be honest. I said this to Dodge the other day. It, like Ubisoft, are kind of masters at introducing a new IP. And the first version being a bit shit, so and and kind of mm -hmm. 
right, we'll try some mechanics, we'll do some bits and bobs, we'll get the you know, we'll get the game world created, we'll get that type of element. Like the original Assassin's Creed, apart from the first instance where you kind of like park all around a building and stuff like that, it was bollocks. It was kind of go in and get this. Then give it to him, go in and get this, give it to her, go in and get that. It was just like Hmm. this loop of like four different mission types. But obviously the games become this incredible kind of masterpiece. Um, And it's a bit like samey at times, but um, they've introduced that IP. And and obviously pretty much every single Ubisoft studio worked on Skull and Bones. Um, So a lot of it is, I mean, it's just that kind of like, Upgrade your ship, build a bigger ship, you know, start getting into a situation where you can then start to take on some of the kind of like um different factions and stuff like that if you do want to. Uh, you know, you do want to start engaging in combat and so on and so forth. And it's just I think it's a bit like Sea of Thieves. It's a bit I just kind of enjoy the sailing about and stuff and you go out of like the havens. And then obviously it's it's all you know all hell lets loose basically so you go away from the safety of like certain islands. Um, but I mean some of the mechanics are a crap. Like go get some coconuts or go get some trees and stuff, and you just have like a weird little quick time. Go near it, you know, press F or whatever to engage, and you have like a little <laughs> you know stop it, stop mm-hmm. it, stop it. You chopping stuff down, so. Um, but you can, I like I'll look at it from a game designer perspective because I tend to look at everything from from a game design perspective, and I think there's like an introduction to the series and stuff. And if they start to kind of add layers to it, like they have with with some of the their other games, it'll be like version three or whatever, which is the game that they want to make. Um, but I quite enjoy. It. I mean, the one thing I've not done is jump in a co-op. Server and you know, sail around with, with you two or whatever and see what that's like. And maybe that will be a bit different because the, there's obviously a group of us will start to engage enemies and stuff like that. Um, but it's just the exploration, it's just the kind of building up of the ship and so on and so forth is what I've enjoyed. Am I going to put 200 hours into it like I did with Skyrim or something? No, probably not. But um, I've got Ubisoft Plus and I think the benefit of that is you get the deluxe edition. I got like early access and stuff, and I had a little blast. See yeah. what you said there about the co-op thing. I've I've played that game a little bit, and I didn't take to it at all. And for me, like the only hope that that game has of becoming compelling is if it really drives multiplayer engagement. If it becomes a co-op game, or if it has some has something that forces you to to socialize, because it doesn't yeah. stand on its own for me. It needs it needs that kind of connectivity to to redeem itself but you were talking about um, assassin's creed then and how the first game was like shallow and the second one built it out massively times are a little bit different now because this is like potentially a live service game so do you reckon do you reckon in a year's time skull and bones will be an entirely different experience now rather than waiting for a sequel or do we have to wait and wait and yeah wait? i mean if they continue to support it i suppose sea of thieves was in exactly the same boat i mean yeah when we first started playing Sea of Thieves, there was very little to kind of do, and you would you would come up against missions which were quite shallow, or just come up against the dead end. Now, obviously, um, 
Microsoft and Rare and everyone came out and went, it's, it's, you know, it's almost kind of like early access. We're building this community and so on and so forth. So I think if they support it um, in the right way, and obviously when they first pitched Skull and Bones, it was all about like co-op and working together with friends and stuff, wasn't it? It was pitched as this big um, <clears throat> kind of live and breathe and world and um, this like MMO type game. Um, so I think if they support it, and obviously if you were Ubisoft, as I say, every studio's worked on it, so unless you're just going to write that off, um, which Ubisoft tend not to do, they tend to kind of try and support something and give it a go and have a little belief in the vision. Um, then, yeah, hopefully if they support it properly in, in phases and things like that, it'll be a completely different game. Um, they have historically had some proper like rescue cases for their games that didn't launch too strongly, haven't they? So there's hope yeah, in that yeah. sense, diminished by the fact that it's already been delayed and rescued three years in a row or something before it came out. So we'll see. Yeah, I think COVID didn't really help, did it? And I think that's why, like, a lot of the different studios like jumped on. And I think, like, Singapore and um, oh, the intro scene runs through them, doesn't it? It takes all, ages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, all the I think have built like different parts of it. So some have done like environments, some have done physics and stuff like that. And I think someone was talking about, as I mentioned before, like the ship has stamina. I don't think it's actually the ship. I think it's actually your crew. Right. Mm-hmm. And you have to like make sure you've got rations and feed them and stuff like that. But obviously, your ship starts to slow down and stuff. So I see why people kind of attach it to you know the ship's got stamina and things like that. But obviously, the larger the ship starts to get, the the less of an impact that has and stuff. And obviously, you tend to have like more rations and and some of the like the combat like. Pretty good. The, the combat is obviously Sea of Thieves. It's like you two jump on a cannon and I'll steer the ship or vice versa and things like that. I think it's quite nice. It's a bit like a kind of FPS on the sea. You just like look around with the camera and just start firing and it'll automatically pick like front cannon, side cannons, you know. Um, I think that can be quite fun when like loads of stuff's happening all at once, which is obviously what the game chucks you in right at the beginning goes. This is all the yeah. cool stuff you've got to look forward to. Now we're going to take you back to a dinghy and you're going to spend the next six weeks getting back to this point. So, yeah, maybe that's less compelling. <laughs> yeah, I'm not such a fan of the combat. From that intro sequence, like, sometimes, and there's some screenshots of it that look phenomenal when you see them, like, they're, like, blue fire going off between ships and all of these fancier weapons. It looks amazing, but to actually get it in my hands is underwhelming for me. But... You know, we'll see. I think, uh, like what Chris <clears throat> and episode 13 have said, is the only hopeful uh, case with this is like Sea of Thieves. You know, when that game launched, I remember, you know, the Xbox community were heralding that as this fucking big, gonna be something. And it, and it didn't look, it didn't land very well at the start, but they built it out and they salvaged that game. You know what I mean? With regards to uh, Skull and Bones, it doesn't have that first player. Um, first person, sorry, um, you know, the combat and stuff. But then it has other stuff going for it. So, yeah, you'll have to see because it is a good-looking game. And like I say, you was just saying then, obviously, I only saw as much as you saw when I played it, which was just uh, 
first person, you know, t- uh, reticle firing at other ships and stuff like that. And then I saw some other footage um, during the week on Twitter of like the cannon, or like whatever the other thing's called, fires something up in the air. And you see it like, and you, it basically drops down on the other ship. And, you know, like you say, it's. Like it's, it's and stuff, it? Yeah, mortars. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah, it's early days. It's just uh, obviously, like I said, obviously they um, they've had to get something out, and uh, we'll we'll just see with regards to. I mean, you look at all these other games today, you know, who are like quickly, even Power World. You know what I mean? Like they're all quickly addressing and implementing certain changes. You know, quality of life things and stuff like that. I guess we'll find out soon enough what Ubisoft, what what the actual long uh, long game is with that game going forward. You know. Yeah, suppose if we jump in and just see what the co-op side of it, sorry, I think if we jump in and just see what it's like sailing around together and stuff and see if there's like a little bit more of like a meta, you know, actually to be start engaging some of these like factions or some of these like pirates and stuff, is that an interesting part of the game or or what? Um, Yeah, give give that a go. Like that's that will be important, right? We will give it a go. I'm all for giving the game a chance. But for me, when you talk about games that like, are salvaged and rescued and improved over time, like Sea of Thieves or like Halo Infinite, or, there's loads of examples of games that, that launched a little bit rough and after a year or two were kind of transformed into something that the fans really like. But normally in those games, you can look at what it is in its refreshed state, like a Sea of Thieves, and the core of what makes it good was there all along. Right, it was harder to recognize because there were other problems, but Sea of Thieves is good now because of the multiplayer chaos and the emergent gameplay, the fact that anything can happen while you're sailing around. And that was true on day one. Halo Infinite is good now because the gunplay is heavy and solid and everything feels really good. It just had content problems. But like the core of the game was already strong. And I look at Skull and Bones and I don't I don't feel that strong core yet. I, I can't recognize it even through the flaws, which is why we'll have to see. Have to see if we can get it get it going when we play it properly um, with multiplayer anyway should we go on to some of the topics for the week because we're going to try and run this between 90 minutes and two hours that's what we aim for on all of the podcasts actually um and we've got a few things to talk about first up we're going to talk a little bit about nintendo i was really hoping that nintendo direct was today so we'd have the games to talk about but it's not it's tomorrow they've got a third party partner showcase tomorrow where they're going to show your favorite Xbox games coming to the platform and a few other things probably. Um, but they've also announced this week that they're delaying or not and not releasing the next console until at least March next year. And there were, I mean, there were really heavy rumors that it would release at the tail end of last year and the year before that, because the Switch is old now. It's been out for many, many years and it is it was not a powerful piece of hardware when it launched. So a lot of people want them to release new hardware. But Nintendo are putting it back and putting it back and putting it back. Um, and they've apparently told all of their publishing partners not before March 2025, which is a disappointment to me personally because I was really looking forward to, to a new Nintendo console. Not going to get it for a while. Dodge, what's going on? Why are Nintendo not giving us new toys? The thing is, why do they have to? Do you know what I mean? Let's have it right. Like, was it? Is it on? I think if they leave it, is it on course to overtake the PS2? Is that right, or has it already overtaken it? I, I don't. I really yeah, think I don't think. Mm-hmm. Nah. So if they've got another twelve months plus, you know, I'm not saying these Xbox games are going to push unit sales. You know what I mean? But 
You know, if they, it's Nintendo. N Nintendo do what they want, when they want, and you'll wait, and you will wait. Like, they always wait, you know, and there's no outcries in the Nintendo community. There's those Twitter spaces and uh, hysterics, you know what I mean? <laughs> Can you imagine? But, uh, yeah, I know, I know. They're all too busy chasing Pokemon and stuff like that. But they, um, yeah, like they, they're all right. I mean, they had a really good year last year from what I was told. I haven't played anything, but like Mario Wonder, Legend of Zelda. They gave you a load of first-party software. So if the hardware is another year out, it's another year out. It's going to sell truckloads, you know. And um, like I say, I don't really, I'm not privy to knowing the sales uh, record with the PS2 and the Switch, but I know it's close. So maybe they wait. Maybe they wait for it and uh, it'll come when it's ready. Hopefully when it does come, it'll be cheaper. And um, obviously <coughs> the direct... Well, no, cheaper than, like, obviously, another year. No, 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 no. I don't mean, like, they're going to give it away. <laughs> what I'm saying is if you're waiting a year, maybe the price you pay for it in a year's time might be 50 quid less than it would have been now. You know what I mean? So, who knows? But, and are we are we talking about the direct as well? Uh, you can have some guesses on it if you want. Well, I mean, yeah. are we guessing? Are they, I don't <laughs> like, really do guesswork. <laughs> the, the Microsoft... Obviously, the Microsoft 4. At first, I, I sort of questioned, like, if Grounded would be there. And then I thought, well, if they're going to put CFEs there, clearly they'd put Grounded there. Um, and Pentiment and Hi-Fi Rush, yeah. Like, you know, why wouldn't they Why wouldn't they put them there, you know? And, and but it's a run there, just, for one. But... To run? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, like, Xbox... Microsoft will have people there making sure that the games perform well as well. You know what I mean? They don't. If you take those four titles alone, I'm not. I mean, they don't seem to have people there making sure the games run all right on Xbox. Well, they don't. They don't. No, <laughs> but they obviously. They obviously. I just. I'm saying like the, these four particular games are not the biggest. Um, obviously, Sea of Thieves, the sea and all that's cloud based, isn't it? So, but aside from that, I think. I think they'd be all right on there, right? I mean, they pull over. Uh, what's some of the games on Switch? I don't really keep up with the Switch. Like, what's some big third party stuff? Was there like a Doom over there? Doom Eternal, Doom Eternal Witcher Three. There's there's a few examples of of big ones. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, they should they should be all right getting them over there. You know what I mean? I mean, Hi Fi Rush is going to be the perfect game for that handhelds, isn't it? I think I'm less convinced by Sea of Thieves, um, but. I think Pentiment, High Fire Rush. Um, I mean, yeah. who knows? Obviously, Microsoft and Nintendo have always had like a decent relationship. They've always kind of, um, you know, patted each other on the back and stuff like that. Um, I think, I think things are changing with hardware, so I think that's why Nintendo probably hang on fire. I think they don't need to rush a console out. I'm sure there'll be some fans out there, but. I don't think a lot of your, um, yeah, I don't think a lot of you know, like casual gamers are going, oh, this isn't running in 4K 240 or whatever. So I don't think they're that bothered by hardware. But obviously, if you were Nintendo, you'd kind of sit there and you'd go, what's happening with like the ROG Allies? What's happening with MSI? What's happening with, you know, or xbox gonna do a handheld at some point what's happening with you know sony's you know sony gonna do a dedicated hardware-based handheld and i think 
like chip technology has moved on so quickly in the last like 12 months that you know the rog allies you know they thought it was going to get outdone by like intel's arc and stuff like that but i think the benchmarks that have come out um i guess the drivers are not ready yet because um the msi claw or whatever is like 50 percent slower running some of the games than than the rog ally for example um so I just I think you're right, Dodge. I don't think there's like a mad I know like we as kind of early adopters and stuff like that are quite disappointed because we like to get our hands on stuff. Um mm. but I think the mass uh, I kind of enjoy the game and, and if you were Nintendo you go actually let's see where the hardware lands and what we can get, you know, to make sure we've got decent battery life, you know, what screens do we go with? What power level do we go with? And I think they're gonna have to up the power. As I would think, Nintendo can keep this kind of like low res kind of option as we start to move into like next gen and stuff, and especially some of the what the handhelds do. They have to find a way to shop in 1980 to keep the resolution down where it is, wouldn't they? (laughs) (laughs) Can't get that stuff anymore. (laughs) I think if they're doing like partners, partner directs, and stuff like that, going into their next generation of console, you'd like to think they're going to do more third party partnerships anyway, going forwards, you know. So you'd like to think the tech, like Chris is alluding to, will be a much higher level you know what i mean because on their first party level they get away with it but they need they need more you know what i mean well they don't because it's nearly the the biggest selling console of all time but you know it likes to tick more boxes so i see two main reasons why they can't release it sooner i think it probably was planned to release sooner um reason one is is the number of switches out there and and the hit that they take by resetting their audience. I think when the Switch came out, they did Breath of the Wild as a cross-generation game, didn't they? To, to try and smooth that bump over. But it's still very much a bump. They're still talking about going from like 100 and whatever million switches down to zero of whatever the new device is, which is not a very appetizing move. And that was the reason um, the, the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3 were the first consoles that, that ran for like eight years or something because Microsoft and Sony were looking at it going, ah, it's really difficult to release a new console when we're doing well. And then that was quite like definitive for those companies that changed the way that they handled all of their hardware so that they could smooth off that loop, that lump. Nintendo have not smoothed that lump off, so they've got that ahead of them. They've got to find a way to transition their audience across, not just their hardware. They need to get all of those people on Switches to keep buying games, be it on the old console or the new one. And that's hard. Um, the other one is going to neatly segue into what Sony have been talking about over the last week, and that's that hardware prices have not been going down whatsoever. So this is going to impact Nintendo and Microsoft and Sony, but Sony's um, chairman, I can't remember his exact role, has been talking about the challenges that PlayStation faces in terms of their margins and things. And one of the key ones that he's pointed out is that normally in a console's life cycle, the price would be going down on that console and that's how you expand the audience for the console so you you have it at its launch price for two or three years by the time you're launching a slim version or a smaller version of the console you should be targeting a different audience you should be knocking that price down and and growing that base but the the cost of the the current playstation the slightly smaller model is not cheaper than the, the launch model the prices have not gone down some things have gone up um, that's going to make it very difficult for anybody trying to launch a console in this space. It's going to impact the PlayStation 5 Pro when it comes out later this year. It's impacting the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox already. And of course, it's going to impact Nintendo as well. Um, 
did you see chris any of the the talk around sony and their studios what they're going to do going forward to try and increase their margins and all the rest of it i think we're just moving into an era of <clears throat> exclusivity is gonna is gonna die it's not to say exclusivity is going to disappear but i think there's just too many um there's just too much money being being left behind and i think obviously the the, the guy that's come in now is joey's almost kind of done reboots throughout sony as an organization kind of rebooted various parts of it um and started to kind of turn profitability so we step away from gaming for a bit and i go into kind of my day job um obviously the last 11 years i've been building a business up and you know i've increased you know staff headcount about 30 now um and there's a you know there's a lot of kind of rent you know rent prices have gone up you know obviously cost of living's gone up so you need to make sure that the staff are getting um so decent um kind of industry-led salaries and things like that but also what I'm seeing it as like a lot of money that was available is not available. So a lot of investors are being shrewd. Um, there's a lot of kind of investor groups and private equity houses and things like that uh, not kind of getting into gaming. Um, and there's obviously a couple of a couple of organisations that have kind of got into gaming fairly recently, but they've been quite lucky. And in the kind of ten months of like raising capital. If you if you have a conversation with the guys that have raised capital for that startup, in in the space of ten months they turn around and say they if it was now they wouldn't have give the money they would you know they wouldn't have raised the capital and put it in so so I think the gaming sector as a whole is finding it tricky and obviously a lot of these organisations will have kind of money to invest themselves they will obviously depending on the size they were. And and how they go about obtaining more funds, they may use private equity houses. They may tap into different resources and so on and so forth. And I think a lot of that is kind of drying up. And that's why we saw we've seen so Embracer lay people off. We've seen Sony lay people off. We've seen Microsoft lay people off. And that's not exclusive to gaming. That's just a fact of life. Um, in terms of you know, business and so on and so forth. Obviously, the Ukraine war is not helping because there's a lot of kind of electronics and various things were were kind of being made over in Ukraine. Um, we've got things happening where ships can't get, you know, can't travel around the world easily and and things like that. So I think there's a lot of impact, kind of economically, globally, which which is really playing into the hands of like some of these organisations. And I think, Joe, his job now, he's looking at it and saying, actually, as you just said, Asa, that you know, our console base is not growing. We're now seeing data and success on kind of PC and so on and so forth. I know, obviously, he said multi-platform. And a lot of people have gone, well, you know, The Last of Us is coming to Xbox and all this stuff. Well, it's... Joe, it, it, it's kind of nonsense in that regard, isn't it, at this moment in time? But I think all of these organizations, I think your Nintendo's, your Microsoft, your Sony, we're going to move into an era where it's kind of like, actually, it doesn't matter what hardware we're part of, you know, whether it's cloud or this, that, the other. 
we need to get our products onto onto other platforms. And you've already got let's ignore the fact that the servers aren't working and things like that. But you look at the mm-hmm. play account of Hell Divers two on PC compared to PlayStation. Um and if the three of us were sat on the board of Sony, there's no way we'd be sat there going, hmm. you know, okay, we'll just leave that because it is what it is. You'll start to look at your catalogue now and look at the data and say, yeah, we need to start putting stuff on PC at least because there's a an engaged audience there. Um, so I think I think it's just part and parcel of what's going on in the world at the minute. Um, and I think someone has come into a position who's kind of reinvented certain parts of Sony and gone, right, I'm going to turn this into a profitable organisation or an even more profitable organisation because ultimately shareholders are king and they're going to be sat there going, actually, we haven't got 180 million consoles or 160 million consoles like we used to have um, and we're not going to have that anytime soon, so we need to do something about it. Yeah, Um, And he's obviously not afraid to come out and say those things because the shareholders will be demanding it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter like whose feelings get hurt or, you know, you've got these like gatekeepers, you know, trying to stop things going on a console. Um someone else's you know, someone playing a game on a different platform, as long as they enjoy it, doesn't affect me. You know, it doesn't give me a sleepless night and stuff like that. It, to me it's just another gamer enjoying Something which you like, Acer, or I like, or Daj, or um, so this kind of like gatekeeping to a platform is quite archaic when you think about it now, especially when there's kind of like a screen everywhere. Joe Daj is playing on his Joe Steam Deck, and Joe, I jump on a ROG Ally, then I'm on a PC, then I might be on a PS5, then VR, then Joe. Why shouldn't you be able to just go, actually, I'm on the move. I want to pick that game up and I'll play it on my Nintendo Switch, for example. Yeah. Go on, Dad. Take it. No, Run with it. I was just going to say, <clears throat> Chris is Chris is quite quite nailed quite a lot of everything that's going on in the world. And like all, all I would add to it is, you know, you see the costs, like the costs to make these video games. You know what I mean? Like... Spider-Man 2 costed more than it cost them to buy the studio that made it. You know what I mean? So, you know, he says about the gatekeepers, you know, who who are the gatekeepers? You know, Sony are going to look at this and you say Helldivers, it's a £35 game or whatever, but there's like over 400,000 people playing it active at one time. That's not total sales. That's money. You know, that's money that goes into development costs. You know what I mean? And, um... Yeah, I think even Xbox, you know, like Xbox, uh, the free execs from Xbox basically said the same thing last week. They said, we are moving into a new age. Like, there's going to be some moves that people have never seen before. You know, I still believe, like me and Chris have spoken about this since last week, like, I still believe Xbox, PlayStation and that are still going to have their exclusive IP. That, yeah, yeah, you know, will predominantly. I know, like, there's a lot of people. I, I, I'll tell you what, Halo, Halo makes sense going elsewhere because it's an FPS online game. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but that's that's a flagship IP. You know what I mean? All Xbox games, pretty much, used to have an online component to them, which makes sense for them to go anywhere else, wherever there's an audience. You know what I mean? But the Sony. Like single player, 
I don't know. I, I, I don't expect them to send everything over, but also it doesn't have to go to Xbox. You know, like the guy, the Sony guy speaking, when he said about other platforms, he's he is referencing PC. You know what I mean? And the mobile space as we move forward. He's referencing you know Xbox I mean? in that they've got Bungie's yeah, Games yeah. Marathon and their Destiny yeah. expansion are coming this year. So when but he's talking financial but, results, those are, those are points to reference, but... But was it not a thing when Bungie were acquired that they said they wanted to remain, like, they would be under them, yeah, but they still wanted Marathon particularly to still be a third-party game everywhere. It was part mm-hmm. of the acquisition. It's not like Sony went, you know, come on, let's get real, yeah? Sony do the the, the, the anti-consumer moves, usually. Like, they will gatekeep their stuff behind their hardware. You, you need, like, to go and buy. Like, the PSVR, as far as I'm concerned, the PSVR 1 is not compatible with the next generation of headset going forward and this, that, and the other, they will sell you, they'll, they'll sell you anything. Look at the remasters and the remakes and the this, that, and the other. So let's not well, start very, getting... It's a very archaic... I think the problem is, is, is it's, like, it's like a very archaic thought process, isn't it? And I think um, times have changed, and that's why... Yeah. You know, obviously, Tom's spot on in the chat is... Tom's saying... You know, what? So, no, no, sorry, saying, so yeah, so obviously um um Tataki or whatever is basically is a finance guy. Now I don't know if many people know Jim was a finance guy, Jim was head of finance at Sony before he got the, the top job. So he was driven by numbers, but he was also fixated on exclusivity. He was fixated on Sony, PlayStation, you name it being a brand. And the brand where you know you need to you need to buy the games online, you need to buy the hardware, so on and so forth. But he was coming off the back of hugely successful console cycles, so he could afford to be like that. Now, obviously, Jim's downfall was the whole Activision Blizzard nonsense, as we know, where he put so much money and so much time into kind of flying around the world and trying to make out, oh, oh. you know, play play the victim card, oh, well, Sony's business is going to be destroyed and so on and so forth. Um, and it just backfired horribly on him, unfortunately. It kind of made the brand look bad. Um, it, he didn't kind of show up for court, so he was obviously half-arsed about, um, or the hearing, he was half-arsed really about what his messaging and things were. And obviously he's, he's bit the bullet for it. And what Sony have done has gone, actually, the as we were saying before, the market's changed, so we need to look at different things. Whether people like it or not, you know, both of these publishers, both of these platform holders are multi-platform publishers because they've got games on PlayStation and they've got games on Xbox, MLB The Show, so on and so forth. I think the data's just come out that MLB The Show with Game Pass has got more um, players and users via Game Pass than it does via... Uh, PlayStation console direct, but yet you had, and obviously don't get me wrong, these are just kind of small voices in the in the social community, but you had people you know crying over the fact that that was going to Xbox and it should always be a PlayStation game and it's be it's obviously developed by PlayStation Studio and so on and so forth, but at the end of the day, these teams are game developers. They can stick a game on any platform. It wouldn't surprise me if Hi-Fi Rush was already made for Nintendo, already made for PlayStation, so on and so forth. And it's kind of like, actually, we'll do a shadow drop. 
we'll get it onto Xbox first. It's obviously a really good Japanese studio. Let them try something different. Let's get the QDOS. And actually, in a year's time, we'll roll it out onto other platforms and we'll kind of re-spike the life of that product again. Um, so there's a few so examples there. So Hi-Fi Rush in particular um, was definitely already in development for other platforms before Xbox got Zenimax. Um because it was listed in the, the court documents as Project Hibiki when, when Microsoft yeah. were assessing whether they wanted it on Game Pass or not, something like that. Um, MLB The Show is a weird one because it's actually not published by Sony onto Xbox. MLB directly published that one, I think. Yeah, but MLB brought it. Yeah. Obviously, Destiny and all the rest a, of it. It's is still all... a Sony studio, isn't it? Like, mm. you know, sitting down with dev kits and making it for... for but do you know who has that archaic thinking, though? Who isn't going everywhere Dodge. and embracing the digital future? <laughs> Dodge and Nintendo, and neither Dodge nor yeah. Nintendo are making redundancies. So maybe the past is better. You know, I'm just just saying maybe maybe I a little archaic that, thinking is what we need. I just think as well, even if you just look at the two of them <clears throat> with Microsoft, let's just say Microsoft, and let's just say Sony. Sony are a hardware manufacturer. I have been like that, that. That's who they are. They, they create hardware for people. Whereas Microsoft are a software company predominantly and um, innovating like new tech and stuff like that. So when this guy is coming out going, there's going to be changes. They have to change their methods of just concentrating about the plastic hardware. Cause there's a broader market out there now. Do you know what I mean? And, and Microsoft saw this coming, you know, they've acquired King you know, for a mobile space. You know what I mean? They've they've in, invested in the Azure network for cloud gaming. You know, it might not be the best option right now, but it, it's something that they're working on, you know. And Sony, I ain't saying Sony are playing catch-up, like, oh, Team Xbox win. Like, But what I'm saying is the industry is evolving, yeah, and Sony are trying to... They're, they're, they're evolving themselves away from this predominant, we're going to make a box and you need the box and we need to get the box in your house because there's more entry points now. There's PC, there's mobile, there's cloud. You know, there's all these different things. And and, and what it, I, I, the way I see it is what the guy come out and said is we're going to start doing things that you ain't used to us doing. Do you know what I mean? And and you are going to see things coming here, there, and everywhere. I don't really want to sit here and go, oh, are you going to see The Last of Us on the fucking you know, iPhone? Because I, I don't really care about that. But it's just that their statement is they're going to start doing things now, you know, differently. So I think it's good. Like, I think all these messages we've seen over the last seven days, you know, we ain't heard anything from Nintendo, right? But... Well, yeah, all right. Then it's just say Nintendo jump in the Kumbaya ship and all that. I can't see anyone. I see people on socials who dissect and go, "Oh, you know, oh, are they lying to us? Oh, is it, uh, who cares? Like, as long as you get the game, if you're an Xbox guy and you've got an Xbox console and you get that game day one, yeah. Even if PlayStation get it day one, don't matter. You're getting the game." Like, the only people really caught up about this stuff are the, like you say, the archaic, the tribalistic, the cavemen-like people who are stuck in the old way of my box is beloved to me, yeah? And you can't have my things, you know? That, that's all going away now, you know? I put, I put something out on Twitter, and I obviously mean you spoke about this, where yeah. I put something out on Twitter last week or whatever, saying it looks like PC is the place to, to be. Now... <laughs> 
take a step back and you know half a decade ago remember obviously the pc was gonna die as a game and platform because of piracy and this that the other now really Steam and some of the other stores or whatever have have saved that because you know we got away from kind of like getting a a game code and unlocking a game and so on and so forth. So um, there's there's been a bit of help on that side, but really it's like we were saying who who does it bother? Say The Last of Us three you know came out on Xbox, PC, and PlayStation. Like, who does that bother other than, really, it's down to Ace of my preferred, or say it came out on every platform, and Dodge, you're out and about, so you play it on mobile with a, you know, with a controller add-on. Ace plays it in VR because he prefers to play yeah, it. Hell yeah, now it's okay. So I play it on mouse and keyboard because that's how I want to play it. Someone in the chat plays on a PlayStation controller and some plays on an Xbox controller. Um, it doesn't take Ace's enjoyment away. It doesn't spoil it for me. It doesn't spoil it for you. It doesn't spoil it for... Um, and it could be... It, you know, we could see... I think you made a good point. Ace ago and Nintendo are, are still you know, fixated on their hardware and so on and so forth. There's one scenario, and I'm not saying the scenario will exist, but there's one scenario where it would completely change it. And that's if Nintendo had 30 million units out there or 20 million units out there and not mm-hmm. 160 yeah. or something like that. Um, and the one thing we don't know is, like, Joe, how long's the Ukraine war going to go on for? How long is the, ooh, do we know what's going on with Taiwan going to go on for? How long? So <laughs> do, we, do we get into a situation where, it, Joe, it's a bit like COVID, where it was hard to get semiconductors and it was hard to do this and it was hard to do that. So actually hardware continues to go up in price. Um, it may be difficult to kind of release and generate new hardware. Obviously, you've got America as a country building semiconductor plants and, and trying to take away the necessary need to have like chips manufactured in Taiwan and other countries now they're trying to manufacture them in the US um to kind of you know cut off and mitigate some of this stuff happening um so i think we may like dodge you may be right we may start seeing a bit of a come by our moment where kind of all these all these kind of heads have got the heads together and just gone actually are we are we in that kind of fight anymore where you know, all the all of the hardware does matter, but it's like it's becoming more and more expensive. And I've kind of Microsoft shown a little bit of a way of going, actually, we've got this kind of play anywhere. And some of the others are looking going, actually, do you know what? It bloody you know, it's working at the minute. Or so it's a subscription model, it's this, it's I always go back to the Ubisoft guy going, people need to get used to not owning games. Do you know, as a publisher. Um, <laughs> it's like a really interesting statement because everything is and I know we touched upon this on episode one or whatever but everything's kind of like delivered digitally now you know whether you watch a film or whether you watch it's like Amazon have turned around for example and gone we're not going to give you any of the Adobe Atmos stuff unless you give us two ninety nine on top of your normal Prime subscription to disable adverts and get the good sound mm-hmm. <laughs> you know 
And I can kind of see that happening across the board. I can see Sony going PS plus plus, you know, or whatever is gonna is gonna be this val this cost. Xbox will go, this is gonna be this cost. Ubisoft will just put their prices up and they'll put it up again. It'll just exponentially keep doing that as they start to give us more and more content, so to speak. But we said actually the three of us said this um a good while ago, years ago, is that it's actually a content race now, not necessarily a hardware race. So Microsoft have put their flag in the ground and gone, we've got King, we've got Activision Blizzard, we've got so on and so forth. It's like the streaming model where like Disney went out and got like Star Wars and the MCU and all. Each of these you know, each of these platform holders are now having this kind of like content race rather than let it be the most powerful or let it be, you know, the most efficient or this, that, the other. Obviously, Phil and that came out as, or Sarah Bond actually said, it's going to be the biggest generational leap when we do hardware or whatever. Um, and obviously, Sony themselves are not happy with the current power of PS5 because they're trying to release or the, the, you know, they're looking at releasing a PS5 Pro. Um, and PC has driven a lot of that. You know, when you look at, you look at some of the, you look at kind of the equivalent ranges of like PCs, actually if I build a PC for 800 quid, you know, 1200 quid, if I build a four grand PC or whatever, then you've got an amazing experience for like the next three or four years. Um, but it's, it's hard to keep up. And even some of the handhelds you're getting more kind of stable frame rates and stuff like that than some of the games that like people have put out optimization wise and stuff so i think there's still um the industry is going in this direction but i'm not sure how quickly because there are complications like um yeah. i don't think either or, or any of the big players really understand how big the kind of core gaming audience is the people that care for these big ips that are going to play a spider-man game even or a or a halo or whatever else i, I think microsoft have had a, a slightly rude awakening on on how big that audience potentially is because they spent ages talking about 2 billion, 3 billion gamers and Game Pass has already started to decline rather than grow. So there's a mismatch in content and audience and I don't think the industry understands its own audience yet. They're figuring it out as they go along. So the content race gets a little bit complicated because like you say, they had to acquire King to really diversify that content and hit a different audience. But that throws every calculation on, on what kind of gamer and what kind of model they're aiming for kind of out the window a little bit because those people playing Candy Crush are not the same as the people playing Halo in terms of monetization and how they develop. Um, you've also got um, Helldivers as the example. There's more people playing Helldivers on PC than PlayStation, supposedly. The stats are a little bit weird on it because there was a the stat that came out that people are basing it on was um, number of people that are active on Steam that are playing Helldivers in America, not, not numerically, but as a percentage. It was a weird yeah. stat for the comparison, but likely there are more people playing on Steam than PlayStation to some degree. But every one of those players that's playing on Steam is somewhat less valuable than everyone that's playing on PlayStation because everyone playing on PlayStation is a PlayStation Plus subscriber. And that's like that's the model of consoles kind of epitomized because people that are playing on a console are their most valuable customer because they're not just playing for PlayStation Plus to play on Helldivers. If they do go to a different game, if they go and buy uh, whatever else is next as a multiplayer game if they go and buy um no, no good examples battlefield 
terrible example because I don't think there's one coming that soon, but they go and buy the next Battlefield, they're going to get it on PlayStation, Sony get that value as well. So I do think they're still going to claw and fight to be relevant as a platform holder, and that's not necessarily tied to the hardware. That's part of the battle. They've got to be... Like, PlayStation has to be a platform that isn't defined by the box, just like Xbox are doing. Yeah. Xbox is a platform... You don't need to own a console, but they sure as shit want you to buy stuff on their store and subscribe to their service. And that's where the content race is coming in to make sure that all those people are going to the right place. At the same time, that audience size and content meeting people dilemma is is, is hanging over them as a heavy cloud at the moment, I think. Um, the best news that we had last week was that despite various troubles, despite Game Pass actually shrinking, despite challenges to the industry, Xbox fully committed to the things that we like about it to bring in their games day and date onto game pass to keeping game pass going to doing more powerful hardware to doing all of these things that their fans enjoy so there's hope for a good future we haven't because we're here on a tuesday they did that after we uh, after we got together last is there anything that you want to say about the xbox thing it's had a week of chatter on it but... i'll just uh, i'll just jump in quickly yeah when we, I'm pretty sure we all agree on this. When we say about Kumbayas and, you know, Sony and Xbox getting together and starting to put things and all really friendly, friendly, and they're going to start putting things there, they're still going to compete. Like, like Ace has said, they're still going to claw with each other. They're going to just try and work out ways of pulling more people too, one yeah. way or the other, yeah? So I'm pretty sure Xbox will think, let's put Hi-Fi Rush over on Sony. Yeah, so this sort of stems into the, the announcement last week. How do you get more eyes onto your product? Yeah, you give it to them. Now, just say there's a Helldivers sort of impact on these Sea of Thieves or Grounded, for example, and then Grounded 2 comes about, then that's exclusive to Xbox. They are, you know, they're making money, but also advertising their games on other platforms do you know what i mean so they'll be earning from sales but then people will be finally getting to play products if they haven't done by by their own other means you know by a pc or getting a secondary console so it's not like oh the industry is going to massively change and they're all going to hold hands skipping off towards a fucking rainbow like that it's still going to be the same just the methods have changed now it's not all about the hardware you know and xbox Xbox's message last week, like you said, Asar, four games, and then the, the and then the fucking narrative started. Oh, well, how do you know it's only going to stop at four? Like, it ain't going to stop at four. Like, nobody knows what's coming. You know, nobody knew Hi-Fi Rush was coming. And then it came, and then the Xbox guys were dancing in the street going, oh, we've got this new IP, and now that's going. Like, <clears throat> nobody, it's not going to stop at just four. This is a, this is a test of how the model is going to play out going forward. So they came out and basically said that, like they said, Starfield, Indiana Jones, like the, the girl very carefully asked them if they were the games. And he went, no, these aren't the games. But he didn't exactly say, don't expect them not to go at some point. But <clears throat> like you said, Asa, on, on that, you know, I see your reaction, you deadly and uh, Gamsley after on your show. And, and you... You're like Mr. Chill, Mr. You know, balanced, nice. And you was just like, was that it? Because all we had was screaming children a week before and all the fake insiders and all the skies falling and all the little 
outlets that wanted their little five seconds of fame and their little hits and clicks because they was like, oh, Hellblade's coming. Oh, this one's coming. You know, and at the end of the day, like we just discussed in the previous topic there, like Xbox just come out and said, you know, Phil said it. Like, you know, they are arguably like the biggest Western publisher now because they've got Activision, they've got Bethesda. So Xbox Game Studios or whatever they want, whatever the name is, I think that's the name. They're huge. Their talent pool's huge, yeah? So if they're going to make Game Pass sustainable, yeah, which I ain't getting involved in that argument of if it is or if it isn't, yeah? But if they want to make it even more sustainable, Xbox players get them games day and date, yeah, for free, you know? 12 months, 18 months' time, send them out on other platforms, draw in a load more money. You know what I mean? It makes sense. And, And Sony... Like, without, you know, like, when the conversation was, oh, they want to get Game Pass onto Sony, yeah, they want to get PS Plus onto, if that's what it's called, onto Xbox, I think they're both just going, that, there's no way that's going to happen, yeah, so the only way it can sort of happen is by sharing them and selling them on, on rival uh, rival storefronts. And um, could you not see like X Cloud or Game Pass or something going to Nintendo though? I could see that happening. I, yeah, but the thing is with Nintendo. So also earlier when we we looked at the topics list and that, and you know, and you and the words were Nintendo delaying their next console. I don't see the Switch as a console now. I know you can dock it and uh, and you can take the little sliders out and put them on a little thing, and it's like you've got a real controller in your hands. It's a handheld predominantly, yeah. So, as you say, with regards to any cloud streaming, yeah, I can see it. I, I can see it. I, I, could, well, I can definitely see people wanting it on there because any portable screen, the cloud service, they're going to want it on there. It just depends whether or not Nintendo want it and what they get from it because it's not the same as selling, you know, if, if, if Xbox go, you can sell Halo natively and Nintendo get 70% of the sale, Nintendo will be up for that, I reckon, yeah. But if it's a streaming thing, then it's harder. Like, you know, how do they actually benefit financially off it? Is it as financially benefit? Like, does it benefit them as much as selling it? Stuff like that. So I always consider Nintendo different from the other two. The other two are like carbon copies of each other. They make a box, they make software, they put it on there, and that's it. Nintendo do the same, but their console, it's a handheld. You know what I mean? They, they they're not really doing any cloud stuff, but um, anyway, just back on the Xbox thing, um, I think the messaging was really good. Listen, these people are paid a lot of money, yeah, to tell you anything. Like they will stand there and tell you saying and make you believe it, even though you you know it probably ain't going to be the truth. But you'll still come out there and go, oh yeah, but he said. Yeah, because this is why these people paid money. Episode 13, I love Phil. He's a nice guy. I'm sure he is a nice guy, yeah, but he will tell you what you want to hear. You know what I mean? And uh, that's what they all do at the end of the day. All you've got to worry about is yourself, your own pan note, and uh, whatever you want to do. Don't worry about anything else. And that's my I mean, uh, Ultimately, it's, all, it's about the shareholders, isn't it? It's about, you know, it's like, I mean, people in the chat might know what 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 I do, but effectively, we've got a tech company. We work with football clubs, um, and we've created our own platform, which you know seventy odd percent of UK football clubs use. Um, and of course, 
uh, you know, we're looking at different markets. We're looking at Europe. We're looking at US sports and so on and so forth. Um, but there's, there's always kind of shareholders and, and there's always like a board. And if it was a bad idea for us to try and move into the US, I wouldn't turn around and say we're moving into the US. I just would say we're not going to move into the US. Mm. Um, so I think these organizations have got to, there's some PR, there's some brand protection, so on and so forth. The one thing that people don't understand, and it's Microsoft's Trump card was getting king. And I know Phil has gone, really important for us to get king and, and move into the mobile space. And people are like, oh, I was just saying that or whatever. It really isn't because I'll give you a good example now of like the mobile gaming space. So some people here in social media or whatever may know um, a mobile studio called Playdemic. So based in Cheshire, they had a game called Golf Clash, um, and it was making more money each week than any AAA console game was making. Um and they sold just over 12 months ago. Electronic Arts came in and bought them for $1.4 billion. So bear in mind that Insomniac, who are one of the one of my favorite developers in terms of talent, engine, skill, etc., Sony paid $229 million for them. And this little, and it's I'm, I don't say little as in like disrespectful little, but in terms of people's minds, oh, it's just a little mobile gaming studio making a golf game. $1.4 billion Electronic Arts bought them for. Um, and they were part of like the 10% club. And even the five, top 5% of mobile gaming is making more money whilst we're on this podcast now than Helldivers is, than The Last of Us is, than Halo is, the they're just printing money. Um, and the guys over at Playdemic used to just look at the system and the money would just be going up like ridiculous. You know, hundreds of, like millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of pounds just going in minute by minute. It's the mobile market, and Acer alluded to it before. It's like these organizations are trying to understand it now because they're going, actually, you know, we could we could do ninety percent, ninety five percent profitability here because it's costing us a fraction to make the game. Like you said before, Taj, it's like some studios are spending like movie budgets on a video game, and it's being sold on twenty million consoles or whatever, and it's not given the return that they've um, that they've had in the past. Yeah, yeah. Scopely. Is made Monopoly go and did a billion dollars in its first ten months on on a mobile game. It's like it's an mm-hmm. insane market, and it's a market that like none of the you know, none of these like casual mobile gamers are on Twitter going oh, when's Scopely going to release the next like Yahtzee or whatever. They're just literally going. I'm on the bus. I'm going to play this. Oh, actually, it's fifteen quid to buy some more dice, or it's fifteen quid to buy a golf ball, or so. And they're just impulse buying it because you can just do a one-click checkout. It's an insane market, and it's a market that Microsoft have gone. We need a slice of. We're not going to be able to get into that space. What we'll do is we'll have Activision, Blizzard King, 
we'll get Activision with Call of Duty, we'll get Blizzard's great games, but we'll get King and the in the top three percent of like mobile game studios mm-hmm. in terms of turnover and stuff like that. Just consistently doing over like a billion a year. And it's just like, yes, please. It's not what I want to hear, but it's very, very true. I, I'd love for them yeah. to have bought it because they want to rescue all of the Blizzard games and make Warcraft brilliant. But no, that's not what it was all about. The, um, and then you got these. It, it, go on. Go on. Sorry, I was going to say you got these massive legal battles going on as well between like like Microsoft are very much rooting for Epic when they've got their their lawsuits against Apple and Google to crack open the stores and plotting and planning like massive moves that dwarf what they're doing in the console space. But what were you going to say, Dodge? I was just going to say, like, <clears throat> going back on the Xbox thing, like, I think Phil, like I said, he, he'll tell you what you want to hear, but I do think they were, like, quite honest, you know, like like Chris was just saying then about money and stuff like this, you know, me and Chris spoke about it, like, he actually said, you know, what do I do, you know, I have to make money, yeah, like, that. that's the long and short of it, and the the way that we can do that is by putting things elsewhere, you know, to like you said, alluded to a little while ago, so you can keep the things that you like on Xbox. You know, so if you're an Xbox gamer, he's basically saying, I, I'm going to stick some of this gear over there, yeah, so we can keep making money because I'm not going to charge you. And he, he basically said that. He said, I either charge the current faithful user more money or we start letting certain things go. You know, to to write and and also, like I said again, you know, you've got to bear in mind the two acquisitions that they made, publisher wise, are two of the biggest multi platform publishers in the West. You know, like like we say, we're all sitting here at the start. I was doing it. I don't even play the Elder Elder Scrolls, yeah, but I was like, oh, it's going to be exclusive. It's all like fun and jokes. But when you actually think about it, if that you know, if the Elder Skyrim made fucking silly money and they just made that exclusive to xbox it's not really a sensible acquisition is it do you know what i mean like we're going to spend 70 billion and we're going to hamper our chances of even making a profit on that you know what i mean that's not a microsoft don't get to a situation where they're fighting for the number one you know richest company in the world yeah making dumb decisions so i think they were quite honest in it and um I look forward to seeing that all plays out personally. The only thing that I was saying, when they said um, their choices are either to get more people spending money or to get the people that are already there spending more money, that's that's not an all question for them. They're going to do both. But they're chasing both. They're not going, oh, we don't want to get everything all at yeah. once. But but yeah, they'll get as much money out of everybody as they can because that's what they're there that's for. The, that's um, business. Let's do, because we're, we're running through things at a rate and time is ticking by. Uh, Chris, you were talking before we started about a whole load of trailers and things that are coming up. We've got a load of games. There's Banishers, Ghost of New Eden's just come out. You've got um, Last Epoch comes out tomorrow. Nightingale came out today. Have you got any particular games that you want to highlight and talk about before we get into the community questions? I'll tell you one that I saw today, which was totally not on my radar until I saw it today. And if people follow me on Twitter, go and have a look because I shared it. Was that Kingslayer? Have you seen that Kingslayer? So, so part of that was like, what is going on? So it basically just looked like a bit of a kind of you know, total war, like medieval RTS or whatever. And I was like, oh yeah, this is quite cool. And I really like the look of it. But then next minute, like this 
pickup truck kind of like teleports into back in time and starts running everyone over then effectively you can kind of like jump into this rts like god mode send your troops into like into battle and attack and then jump back down into like a third person mode and you've got like clash of the cost machine guns grenades and stuff like that so it's obviously that like age-old question where it's kind of like what would happen if a current like modern soldier teleported back in time medieval and had all this like firepower it looks phenomenal looks like really good fun um obviously i'm like i'm not a massive supporter of ign it's just ign are quite good on uh, youtube at like dropping a load of trailers and i think there was like i think i'm right in thinking there was some type of like ign something today like event and i don't know it was just like literally about dropping trailers um but yeah they've dropped mm-hmm. some stuff which looks awesome but that kingslayer looks good fun um i, I saw I, in your tweet and exactly you said, like you say i was like whoa there's there's loads of soldiers this is an interesting rts and there's they're showing this like outline of the the building mechanics then i looked away for a minute and when i looked back there was that pickup truck driving around i was like no no wait no, it hasn't refreshed the feed like it does this is the same trailer i like it yeah i'm kingmaker or whatever it looks mm. awesome but as i say i tweeted it out obviously you mentioned nightingale so i'm i'm gonna grab that once this is finished um that looks awesome, early access, I think, launched today, did it not? Um, mm-hmm. And then that other game that you mentioned as well, Lisa, which I think Darge has downloaded Epoch. it. And Shrouded. Um, Shrouded. And Shrouded is another one from earlier, yeah. yeah. Why, do, why do survival games always come out in early access? Why is there never just a finished survival game? Yeah. I think, to be fair, I think survival games benefit from like a really good community. So I think Sons of the Forest is is a good example of that. Obviously, me and Darge played played a bit of Sons of the Forest and stuff, and I think um, about the mechanic. Obviously, Ace has brought up the glorious game. Um, and Sons of the Forest V One has just come out, and that's been you know a love of the community where it's it's like Back to the Future, like it's been a love of the community where um, yeah, they've basically. Um, utilized a really close knit community, and I think that's the great thing about like PC gaming is you will get like a really loyal attachment rate, and yeah. obviously with the beauty of like Discord and all that. I mean, I look at my Discord list now, and I'm in kind of like the Sons of the Forest Discord. I'm in Vital VR's Discord. I'm in loads of like games Discord, and you can go in and really like interact with the developers and like a really interesting way um i'm i'm in embarks discord and um so i think the pc community like not the social media like master race community but the actual pc gaming community will attach themselves and i think these survivor games because like mechanics are so key to go back to your question asa i think Mm -hmm. if you if you are developing a survival game i think you do kind of go actually let's get some of our like loyal community and to, to let us know whether like the balance is right or should we have this mechanic, should we? And you can try those things out in early access without it hopefully not having like a big impact on like a review score or whatever it may be. Yeah. I think with the um, early access stuff, Asa, I do get it as well because like ACG's another who just won't entertain 
you know, an early access game. But I think sometimes, like, the early access is, like, some of the best, like, they're either the best success story or the worst failure. Do you know what I mean? Like, we had the mm-hmm. day before recently, and that was just carnage. You know, like, it was carnage. But then you get Power World. You know, I'd heard whispers of Pokemon with guns, you know, but I'd never really seen a trailer for it or anything. And uh, and when it hits, like Chris said, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm in the Discord with Patrick and we're fucking building out a base and all this stuff. And, you know, like some, it's, it's good. Like, early, I don't mind early access games, you know, like you said about survival with Un- Unshrouded and, you know, all these types of games. And like Chris said, you know, Sons of the Forest, day one, we were there, Chris, weren't we? And it was a it was How many years ago? Looking... Sons of the Forest was last year, wasn't it, Chris? Yeah, but there's uh, Sons of the Forest, and then there's The Forest, isn't it? Yeah, but the Sons, yeah. Sons well, yeah, came yeah. out last year, and then they have announced... Is the yeah, V1 out year, now, yeah. isn't it? I think V1's out yeah, now, V1's isn't it? V1's out now, yeah. And the game, from when we first went in... It was a really good looker anyway. Like it looked good. It played well, didn't it? The game and stuff like yeah, that. And then I saw the trailer the other day for V1, and I'm like, we need to get back in there because there's just some mad stuff like that they've built out in the game. So there's pros and cons to everything. I try and keep optimistic about, you know, early access games. Or not early access, but, you know, like games getting built out because – you always have that hope that they're going to deliver. But like I say, there's been so many failures of late of people getting their hopes up about something that is never was promised. Do you know what I mean? I think but... if it's a genuine studio, which has got a track record and it's quite clearly like funded and, and delivered yeah. something before. Um, I think the issue is, is that early access allows some like unsavory studios to kind of go, yeah. Oh, look at this like awesome game. It, it, the, there's that kind of like first person like horror game, isn't there? Which I can't remember what it's called, but I think it's like three letters. Um, I'll have a little look in a minute. Um, and they released like a video last year, and it was kind of really like really interesting gunplay. There was like these weird kind of like zombies and stuff like that, or you know, these kind of half dead individuals. Um, but now, like, a loads of narratives come out with people saying it's, like, a fake game and it's it's almost just kind of, like, it's cutscenes being made in, like, Unreal to look like gameplay and it's not gameplay and so on and so forth. So I think early access, certainly on PC, does allow... And by the way, I don't know whether it is a fake game or whatever. That's just what a lot of people are saying in the market. Um, but it does allow someone to kind of give the perception that they've created the studio and if you've got like a couple of good artists to jump into Unreal 5 or something, you know, create a, a little um yeah, create like a little demo looking and say, look, this is a new game that we're building, give us some money and so on and so forth. We'll kickstart it. Um so I think you're right, Dars. I think that it allows some of that to happen. But I think if it's a studio with a good track record, I think like early access and stuff can can be really helpful and also like kickstarting a game so if you've got a really if you've got a studio with a track record people will kickstart it because like i said before investors are not necessarily putting money into into game studios um and it allows them to kind of get the vision up and running 
and then hopefully raise enough money to. I mean, bloody um, what you call it, Star Citizen or whatever it's called, is still being mm-hmm. like the most that kicked off funded game ever, and it's still getting funded and yeah, uh, and whatever else. So I mean, there's some people have made a hell of a lot of money, but. Yeah, the trailer of you know, Sons of the Forest where they've added the actual backstory and everything to it now um, looks awesome, and it's you know we can jump in and play co-op and give that a give that a blast or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. One of my um, one of my favourite games had an early access period, and that's Hades. Um, Hades Two is also going to have an early access period, and I'm, I, I begrudge it because I don't. I'm like Dodge. I don't normally play a game more than once. So I don't want to play it before it's finished, before it's at its best. And early access can... Like, it's an easy route to market, and it takes down some of the barriers that are supposed to certify a quality experience. They're, they're barriers that are supposed to be there for the consumer's benefit. So you've got this situation now where Sony obviously don't particularly allow early access. Microsoft do, Steam do. And then you get these blow-up successes like Power World as a result. Um, but Power World's developer Pocket, Pocket Pair... Their prior game, Craftopia, just sat in early access and, and never hit release and probably never will. So they're quite happy to walk away from something if it doesn't work. It's a weird situation that um, it definitely has its advantages. You definitely get success stories where a game comes out in early access. They genuinely work with the community. They genuinely do like best endeavors and good intent to make the best game that they can come launch. But you definitely also get like that shady side of it where it is dodgy trailers and like day before or whatever it was called like this is not yeah. a real project we just want your money as early as possible so it's a mixed bag but i guess i'll take the I'll, good I'll, one it's given to me but hmm? i was just going to say asa just cutting in like for me the way my head works is when i see that early access like you said we we, we only play a game once yeah mm-hmm. so when we go in to, to me early access means this game is going to be improved one way or the other, unless it's like you just said, you know, a shy star who just drops what's there and, and bolts, you know, or whatever. But the chance are it's going to be improved. So if I go into a game and it's got issues, I can leave that. Like Sons of the Forest obviously perform well for us, yeah, and we went in there. But you can take yourself away from a game that's in early access and then you'll get like announcements of V1 launches, and the trailer shows what they've built out. Now there will be people who stuck in that game from day one to now, and, and they've, excuse me, they've seen the changes take effect. You know what I mean? But like I say, people like you and me who actually left it on day one, you know, and then come back, it's a completely different experience, and that's the beauty of early access i know like the day before has happened more than not you know what i mean but there's also some good in early access you know what i mean so i i I don't really have a too much of a problem with it you know and also they're usually cheaper as well the games right because then by the end of it it's probably more like a, a full price title whereas on the on the start it's a little bit bare bones you know well let's see what power world if it if it sticks carrying on let's see where power world is in a year's time you know what i mean part, I mean, of, what part of the price is definitely because they don't like publishers don't typically use that route do they it's normally self-published oh. early access games yeah. part of the lower barriers um i do want to get onto the the questions in a second um Sorry, in fact man. let's do that right now so i was just going to say no that's it's all good we're supposed to be talking that's what we're here for um hades 2 one of my most anticipated games i'm not going to play in early access i'm going to wait for a release but survival games in particular they, they get their 
community wave and hype and buzz on the early access launch like Powers version one release might get no attention at all you have to play that game kind of now to get involved with the community and the discovery of it so it's a weird one survival games and early access and it's part and parcel of big publishers not really getting stuck into that genre despite it being huge which is a strange situation um let's go on to though the first question first question is up it's from eradication who's in our discord one of our one of our guys you were playing helldivers 2 with says chris i know you were involved in the greatest kill zone game of all time what would the difficulties of porting a ps3 game across the current gen and pc be bloody hell i'm delving back into the gray matter so i think the obviously the issue with the ps3 was just the kind of setup of basically like the cpu and stuff like that you know i think there was like um it was like the emotion engine and so there was like there was like separate oh. chipsets that it was it was developed with like ibm as well wasn't it or something like that so it was even like the the, the chipset so there was a loads of like dedicated chips within the machine to kind of like handle different things um it's not to say that you wouldn't be able to like emulate that stuff now. I mean, obviously hardware and so on and so forth is is so powerful, but I think it'd be be a bit of a ball ache, I think, to start trying to kind of like emulate that in software. Um and it was just like a really difficult console to develop for, um, in terms of like some of the tools and things like that. Obviously, Sony first party studios had all the kind of support from like the internal tech groups and so on and so forth, as well as connections to the, t- to the chipset manufacturer and stuff to kind of assist and help out. Um, but it was, uh, you know, and I think it's renowned to this day of like one of Sony's kind of failures to try to kind of do something something new. And that was the kind of era where like 360 started, a lot of, de- a lot of third party developers started developing on 360 as like the primary platform. And that's why things started to like perform really well. Um, obviously, as I say, the likes of the internal studios, Gorilla, and so on and so forth, and even Studio Liverpool, um, actually got a handle on the hardware early on with the with the help of like the technology group. Um, so I, I'd say it wouldn't be impossible. I just think it'd be quite difficult to try and revisit that, but. Um, which is probably why we haven't seen you know, much in the way of it. But we we have seen really good kind of open source individuals and stuff create fantastic emulation software and things like that. So never say never, but um, it was just a tricky bit of hardware. Yeah, and Sony don't see enough money in putting that work in, do they? No. Right, let's have the next one, please. Mm-mm. Uh-oh. So Saitama, another one from our Discord community, which everybody should be in, by the way. Pay attention to the Discord, it's good fun. Saitama has asked, after all the development and progress in AI in recent history, what difference could the in-house at Microsoft produced AI chips make for the next generation console? Dodge, what are we going to see from Microsoft's AI technologies? How is it going to benefit the next Xbox console? Yes. Honestly, I honestly ain't. I haven't got a clue about AI implementation in games. How they're going to do it? Like I said to you before, 
the fear mongering about AI coming into games and being used. Like I say, I still see it as a tool, as an aid, you know, in development. You know what I mean? With regards to the AI chips, like obviously there'll be a level of I don't know. I honestly don't know how AI on board. Say, say Tamer are no more than me anyway, because he's quite a clever geezer. But um, I don't know. I don't know what to expect about him. Like I say, the whole AI fear mongering stuff that goes on today. Yeah, it just feels like AI is like, this is a significant moment. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to aid going forward in such an infancy stage. As time progresses, it'll be more and more relied upon. You know what I mean? For, you know, ending tasks quickly, you know, there's possibilities are endless with it. You know what I mean? We're just at such an early stage that everyone's genuinely shit scared of it. You know, like, oh, I'm going to lose my job. I won't lose my job. If I lose my job to AI, then we can all worry, yeah? So I can't see AI going out in the fucking rain changing a roof for someone, so I reckon we'll be all right. But be Chris drone. is probably there'll better. Be, there'll, be a little, uh, there'll be a little weld in the like death, of the drone, and it'll just fly death around. Stranding, death Stranding drone, yeah? <laughs> Go on, mate. Um, no, I mean, I think uh, the only thing I'd add is, is probably a, the only thing I think AI will add potentially as we move forward in games is like having a gaming experience kind of react um a lot you know, a lot better and a lot more accurate to the way that you actually play. Now there's obviously a bit of that that goes on in games now. Um but it's quite um it's quite basic in its in its form. And I think kind of AI powered gaming or consoles or whatever will be able to react a lot quicker, a lot more, um, a lot more accurately to how you play a game, and potentially you'll start to see ever evolving like difficulty levels ramping up and down. Not just kind of like, oh, you seem to be struggling on this game. Do you want to switch it to easy and so on and so forth? So, I think there's some elements like that. I think there could be elements of utilizing kind of real world events and things with AI. I mean, one of the one of the ideas it just that I wanted to do when we played F1, uh, when we made F1, if you go back all that time, and we were speaking to Formula One about it at the time, was obviously taking all the GPS data and you as an individual could take part in an actual race that was happening that weekend. So as the race like kicks off and unfolds, you're part of that race. And obviously you start to get asked questions, well, what happens if you as a player kind of hit Max Verstappen, um, but he continues to drive around in the real world and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So you need to start to like intervene. So if you hit Max Verstappen and he crashes out in your game, then you obviously just switch his GPS off, and he's kind of or explode his car in real life, <laughs> yeah, and so on and so <laughs> forth. But obviously the tech was really, it wasn't really there to kind of do that, and you'd be able to do that now not necessarily with the aid of AI, um, but it'll just make things more kind of accurate to make things, um, yeah, it'll just speed things up and, and give that kind of like finer fidelity. Um, but it's, I remember reading some stuff on, obviously like the major heads in like the AI world basically turned around and said, you know, last year or just over a year ago, um, the kind of European and or the Western, you know, um, brains around like AI and stuff said, let's have a six month break. 
And obviously everyone was kind of like, no, we can't have a six-month break. You know, China will catch up and stuff. And the reason it was a six-month break is because China's probably 10 months behind. Um, and it was kind of like, we need to have a six-month break because this is evolving at a rate that we can't really control. Um, and obviously it was knocked on the head and people just continued to kind of crack on. Mm-hmm. But the guy, one of the guys who was involved in kind of like the origination of this was turned around and said, there's a couple of like rule sets that we, we need to make sure that AI doesn't happen or it doesn't happen within AI, sorry. And one of those things is it kind of understands human emotion. And obviously, they've just attached AI to social media. So AI is just constantly learning. Oh, no. Like it's lose, been listening to those spaces. Yeah. We're all dead. We're doomed. It's, oh, it's no. Losing, <laughs> it's learning about people losing the shit when a console thing doesn't go their way, when a football match doesn't go their way, politics, so on and so forth. Um, and one of the other things, which is obviously what they've totally ignored, was don't allow AI to, to like create its own language like program itself and obviously now they go can you write that bit of code for us um because what essentially will happen is ai can write a bit of code and then it can go actually i can make that more efficient i can make it more efficient make it more efficient to make it more efficient i need to write it in such a way that humans can't understand and so on and so forth and then you start going into like a bit of a rabbit hole and obviously the the last kind of like scary story on AI, which people can look up, is they were using AI to kind of um, on unmanned drone simulation. So obviously they were flying around. They were basically like virtually bombing targets and they were given AI the rule set that every time it performed a action, it would score a set of points. So go to this target, bomb this target, score the points go to this target, identify correctly, don't bomb the target, score some points, and so on and so forth. And after hours of this, the AI determined that it would bomb the human operator because the human (laughs) operator was stepping in and stopping it from taking out targets. Um, And in the end, it turned around, virtually bombed the human operator and then continued to just bomb everything because it was, it basically turned into like this Besides, yeah. so I was thinking maybe like you look at what NVIDIA are doing and you get massive performance gains from your upscaling and tidying up your ray tracing and stuff like that. But it sounds like the next Xbox might just bomb us all. Um, I think we've got time for one more question. Let's have one more, please. I like the questions, but I'm really trying to finish it within the two hours. So we're just going to pick a golden one. It's going to be... Uh, there's going to be multiple people that have submitted them. This is a, a hard time filer, I think, to pick the the best of them. Well, so, uh, the next Xbox will become Skynet in the end. Well, it will be the end if it does, yes. So. It will, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of the defense systems actually called Skynet, isn't it? I don't know. I think someone's having a laugh. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've lost our... Oh, no. Fine. Patrick has asked so it's going to be a long one so it's getting pasted into the chat it's coming from the from the discord forums that means here it comes here it comes with the recent-ish trend of survival games becoming more and more popular 
Do you all see more publishers trying to get their own survival game out? And if that's the case, do you see players tiring of the genre, similar to what happened with Battle Royale games? Well, that ties into what we were talking about earlier, doesn't it? Dodge, are we going to see major publishers trying their hand uh, at hitting this survival game jackpot? I don't think so. Like, I think if anyone would try it, it'd probably be Xbox. But I, I, I think like, I know like they're all coming out now. So why bring it out? You know how it goes. It goes round in circles. Like you know what I mean. So at the minute, the survival aspect is a hot hot trend right now. If they if they'd have known this coming in, they'd already be saying by now. Sony haven't announced that anything's coming. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Xbox ain't either. So I can't, I can't see it personally. Um, I think by the time all these games that are coming now have been dealt with, I think people will be tiring of the survival genre and then move on to whatever comes next. Do you know what I mean? I just is don't know. Is Ever Wild not going to be the survival game? Oh, is Ever Wild still a thing? Like, do you know I what I mean? So. I mean, they showed it off. Did they show... When did they show that off? They showed that off. Ages ago. Not, they didn't show the game, though. Like they showed four. a vibe. Yeah, they showed a, they showed a, um, a video, like a trailer for it. But I don't know. Got a Maybe... bit of a reboot, didn't it? But it feels like that's a survival. Obviously, me and Patrick are on the same wavelength because... He said in the chat, maybe Everwild is the survival game. But yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if it... I can't see Rare just dropping their work either when they had Sea of Thieves for so long. I can't see it being as drastic as... I know I said it's Everwild still thing, but it's been so long since the announcement that really you would like to think you'd be hearing some more news about that game this year. Not necessarily seeing it so much, but at least hearing something about it. Like It's just been pretty dead, like you say... Apart from the re <clears throat> the redesigning of the game and everything, so who knows? Who knows what Everwild's going to be? I, I still don't have a clue. But again, it's got even if Everwild survival game, yeah, but even yeah. if Everwild is the survival game, it may come out at the wrong time. Do you know what I mean? Because before this has come, we've had everything that's come before: Sons of the Forest, you know, Power World. Enshrouded, Nightingale, this, that, and the other. By the time this one comes, you never know. It might, it just might not hit. Don't forget, the forest was like an old game, wasn't it? The Sons of the Forest like eclipses the forest. It's like built on top of it. I'm not saying like I'm the biggest like survival game fan and stuff. Ah, like no. that. I think as long as the survival game's got like cooperative play. Obviously, we jumped into. Valheim for a good a good while and then kind of got bored of it, but I think that was more just yeah kind of the slow nature or the slow pace of like Valheim. Do you know, we'd like get we'd go venturing off somewhere and die, and then just go. I can't be bothered. To go maybe do you know? I'm watching the trailer back because I haven't watched it for so long. But maybe maybe Everwild is a survival game, but then the question will still remain: by the time of it coming, you know, will there be? Uh, what what else will be about by then? Do you know what I mean? So, so, at the point that they did this trailer, though, they didn't know what the game was. They had no gameplay loop. It's just like they built the yeah. world up without it being any particular kind of game. You can look at it now and you can say that that world that they built would fit as a survival game. What makes it weird is obviously Xbox cancelled very recently um, Odyssey, so Blizzard's attempt at a survival game. We know that Activision Blizzard King had greenlit a survival game and we're trying to take that genre by the scruff of the neck. 
we know that when battle royales were popular and it was the in thing uh, like every publisher had a crack at it and some of them got burnt like ubisoft's hyperscape got shut down within a year or whatever like most of them didn't succeed by chasing that genre but they sure as hell chased it um i'd be really surprised i'm already surprised that we haven't seen them already but i'd be really surprised if all of these big publishers are not looking at that genre going well we can do it we can do a triple a one of these one of these early access games they're hitting two million people just by dropping a, an unfinished like small studio version of this genre onto steam we can do a, a multi-platform triple a survival game and, and be the richest publisher in the universe and i they have to be coming don't they what do you reckon chris yeah yeah i think uh, i think there's a track record of publishers or um some of these big organizations stepping into genres and trying it themselves obviously Sony, back in my day, were kind of obsessed with making their own kind of Call of Duty, making their own FIFA, making their own, you know, um, you know, racer games and stuff like that. So it's it makes sense to to look at what early access teams are doing and then to you know try their hand at a genre, and it might just it might just stick. It might be too late. It might not be too late. Um, but there's always a cycle, isn't it? If you think three, three or four year development cycle. Um, but I think any of the big publishers creating a survival type game, you would probably think they'd give it a go at doing kind of early access, a bit like I know it's not survival per se, but like grounded and so on and so forth. You know, I think those mm -hmm. type of games do lend themselves to getting the community involved, so you can actually try certain mechanics and gameplay loops and stuff so i think i'll have to it, it'll happen won't it so there you go patrick i hope you're looking forward to it because i know you play a bit of the survival games as you're on power world and enshrouded and nightingale at the moment um yeah well, I'll definitely let's, be on uh, nightingale soon. and you're going to be on enshrouded we've got uh, we've got a server up and running that i was playing on earlier uh, it's nice so it's, uh, it's got room Dodge for 16 people mate. to connect at once. At the moment, it's just been me and Dodge. So there's loads of space for everybody. And Dodge, have Dodgy frame rate? Yeah, I, I used to like, yeah. Even on the title screen, it was just uh, stuttering. Like, I don't know. I'm going to uh, have another go when we get off, when we finish up on the show. Just boot it back up because it looked all right. Well, I see you playing of it. But um, yeah, performance was fucking weird. It, it is a right. fairly heavy game, um, but probably for good reason. It does do some interesting things. For now, though, because we're on that two-hour mark, we're going to wrap it up. So, Dodge, tell everyone what you're up to this week, where they can find you if you want them to find you. Uh, well, I won't be playing the Steam Deck, that's for sure. Um, probably, uh, do you know what? I've, I've got all these things going on, the Ascent now. Again, a little bit of Outriders with Patrick. Um, I need to crack on with Death Stranding. You know, I've done a little, just one mission last night. And, uh, yeah, I need, I need to whack on with that. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably be working. So I won't do a great deal of gaming this week. I'll try and get as much in as I can. Um, <clears throat> and you can find me, what, just on Twitter, Dodge Knight. Um, I'll see everyone next week. Cheers, Isa. Cheers, Chris. Good. Um, same question for you, Chris. Do you want people to find you? Where can they? What are you up to? 
Uh, yeah, I'll be on Twitter. I've got quite a busy working week this week, and then I'm in London at the weekend, so I might if I can fit it in. Mm-hmm. I'll meet up with uh, with the Dodge. Um, but yeah, I'm going down to watch the Carabao Cup final. <laughs> so it's uh, it, there'll be a whole host of trying to navigate trains, and there's nothing worse than uh, weekend trains going to London because. Obviously, UK transport tends mm-hmm. to go. I know we'll try and fix and do all the rail work at the weekend when there's a big event on. So, um, but yeah, in the usual place on Twitter. Um, obviously, hit me up, give me a shout. My details will be on there. Um, Hard Times UK tends to be my gamer tag or handle or whatever across all the platforms. So, if people want to jump into some survival games or whatnot, then yeah, just add me and. We'll, uh, we'll jump in and have a game. Perfect. Uh, you can find me in the usual places. I'm all over Discord all of the time. Um, not on Twitter very much because I don't like it there. All over this YouTube channel all the time. So this Q&A so tomorrow. There is the Xbox Series podcast on Thursday. We've got our community games on Sunday. And pretty much every hour in between those, there's other things going on. So I'm easy to find at the moment. Thank you, everyone, so much for coming along and and watching us talk for a couple of hours. Uh, Oh, my light's just gone as well. Perfect timing. Uh, I'll see you on the Discord. See you later.